Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Dave Campbell with you on Oilers Now, where guests on our show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff, Oilers Now sent you. All righty. Yes, indeed. It is that time for the one and only Mark Spector. Stoffer and Spector brought to you by the horses in horse racing Alberta. Reminder, live racing, April 28th, begins out at Century Mile. Speck, how you doing? Not doing all right. Bobby, how about you? Good. Uh, I know you're back in town for a couple days, uh, working mainly on the St. Louis Winnipeg series. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but there's been a couple other uh, developments over the last 24 hours that uh, are of interest to people. Um, and I want to start first by talking about the fight yesterday because that's part of the water cooler discussion. Alexander Ovechkin and Andrei Svechnikov. Um, Hey, he asked him to go, didn't he? Well, you know, this is one of those ones where I, I watched uh, uh, Kiprios last night on our station, Sportsnet. And you know what? Say what you want about Kipper. He's been in a whole bunch of those fights. And, in fact, he was on the wrong end of a couple. Yep. But his Ryan opinion... Ryan Vandenbush. Of, right. And I will defer, I'll defer to a guy that's been in 80 NHL pro fights or whatever Kipper's been in. But he's been in more than his share what he said was, you know, he said, first of all, he saw the, the, they nodded. He says, when the guy nods, that's it. We're going to fight. When the guy nods, that's the nod. The nod means something. And I think just watching it, all of us, we saw a kid that flashed Ovechkin back and stood in there and had, and had I think Ovechkin gave him plenty of time to say, ah, you know, we're not, we don't need to do this. Right, it wasn't a split second. Uh, Ovechkin didn't jump him. It didn't happen very fast. In fact, it happened quite slowly. So, I think the kid just got Svetsikov got a little bit too bold, and you know, like Craig Button said this morning, I was watching him on TV. He says, "You put your hand in the tiger cage, and you can't blame the tiger for biting you, right?" Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> man, it was consensual. It's not like you know, it was a twenty-year-old kid going. And this was always the we used to have this discussion, as you know, with Todd McClellan all the time, because Todd came up through the WHL in a different time when it was uh, you know nasty business. And we, right. you know, I remember seeing, uh, oh, who's the guy? Brad Delgarno. There was about a nine. There was it's on YouTube, but Brad Delgarno and juniors fighting Bob Probert. You know, a sixteen-year-old fighting a nineteen-year-old at that time yeah. when Bob Probert was you know, the heavyweight champ of the OHL, and you're like, come on, man. But he had no choice because he was the biggest kid on his team. You know where I'm going with this, Speck. But this well, one... there, is a, there is a code where you're not supposed to beat up a teenager, okay? I get that, and yeah. I agree with that. And the fighters have a bit of an understanding among them. But A, Ovechkin's not a fighter, okay? He's not a fighter. Right. He's not a guy. How many? I can't remember last Four. he had. That was his fourth, fourth NHL fight. Okay, he's a big, strong guy who obviously knows what he's doing, but he's not a fighter. So... 
you know, I don't think any of those code things really apply here. It's two non-fighters. I remember an alliance has been telling me one time, Bobby, the worst fight for me to step into is between guys that don't ever fight because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know when to stop. They have no experience, and it's usually a train wreck. And I think this falls somewhere into that category for me. Yeah. I remember when Louis DeBrus got challenged uh, in Calgary one night by Alexander Gadinyuk. And I was like, okay. what do you, and it, Gadinyuk went And what on. did Louis say? Are you sure? That's that what, what he, he said to him? That's what he did. And then he <laughs> rained left, lane, you know, rain left down. Another okay. one you, you'd recall because you were there was in Penticton and Rasmus Anderson kept on shoving his glove in Darnell Nurse's face. And finally, Darnell, Darnell Nurse is like, all right, well, if you want to go, I guess we're going to go. And then he beat the snot yeah. out of him. And then the Flames huh? the flames sent Hunter Smith after uh, Nurse in the preseason and Darnell broke his nose. So, yeah, so, you know, but, I mean, the guys get, I get it. We've all been there. You know, we've all been in that point where where I had a buddy on Grow Road that had a little accident with a guy he didn't like, and he got out of that car, and he was going to give it to that guy, and he was going to show him what for, and he showed up the next day with two black eyes and a halfway busted nose because he got real brave real fast, and it was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> so... I think that's how we would decide. Hey, Speck, that guy shouldn't have cut me off. Mark, that guy Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) You should see the other guy. Yeah. yeah. He swallowed his pride that day. We all had a laugh, and I think everyone learned a lesson, right? Rule number one in life, there's always somebody tougher. Uh, (laughs) Stopper inspector for the horses. And again, at Century Mile starting uh, Sunday, April 28th. All right, Speck. So that's over with. Um, uh, Nazem Kadri. Yes. Good. I thought a great call by the NHL. Love how yeah, they I, dealt with that. Yeah, I think, you know, I, mean, I guess it's a minimum three games. And I think we all agree that Boston's not going out, you know, probably in three games. It's going to be a four or five game suspension. And that's yep. what it's worth. That's what yep. it's worth. I, frankly, my concern isn't really with the Department of Player Safety. If I'm, my concern, if I'm Brendan Shanahan or anyone in lease management is, you know, this kid is a good player. We've certainly seen the job he does on Carmen and David when they play, which is very valuable. Yeah. But he's also, he can't shake this thing, right? He's had, I think, five priors. He got suspended for making a selfish, dumb play a year ago, and he clearly didn't learn anything. He made another yeah. selfish, dumb play, and that's the, what gets me. If I'm the lease and I've got contracts to shed, I love the player, and I like my third-line center to be now i got a good team, but he's my three C. But I don't like a selfish player like that that I can't trust. Well, I mean, they've also got Nylander who's sitting there and X amount of dollars, I think it's $20 million, is paid out by July 1st. So you want to shed some money come July 2nd, you pick up the phone and call the Arizonas of the world and get back three or four assets for Nylander, and that's how you do it. I, I, I think the Leafs would be crazy to trade Connery. I just think he needs to smarten up. Like he is. But, but when? Yeah, and that's like, fair. And that's fair. Now we've been saying this for five years. They suspended him internally a few years ago for conduct off the ice, yeah. and at that point it was at the last straw. And that yeah. was like three years ago, yeah. and two or three suspensions. So we're in agreement here. He needs to smarten up. Yeah. But there's absolutely no evidence that that's happening. There's one advantage Toronto has this year that they did not have last year when Cadre got suspended. Okay. What's that? Two of the best players for Boston against the Maple Leafs last year in the playoffs were Jake DeBrusque and David Pasternak. 
and both guys are coming off of injuries. And watching that game last night, to me, both guys looked like they were struggling a bit. Like they didn't have total, you know what I mean? Like they were, they were, they were not one hundred percent, not one hundred percent, not quite quite as sharp. I mean, they, those two guys were unbelievable in the playoffs last year for Boston, and they were well, fighting the puck a bit. Yeah. And and they're if those guys, you know, as is, is you know, Pasternak is right there with DeBrusque is the best offensive player from the 2014 NHL draft, but he's he was hurt down the stretch. He got smoked in game number one, and uh, and then you have uh, obviously uh, DeBrusque and Jake's taken. I mean, he went at it all series with Kadri before Kadri filled him in with the cross check, which was just a. Uh, brutal play. So that's to me one thing that, and the Leafs also have Tavares and Muzzin. So the Leafs have got their two players better, and right now Boston's, you know, two of Boston's top four offensive players are banged up. Spec. Well, this is the playoffs, right? I mean, I go, I think about a year ago when I covered the Winnipeg series with Minnesota, and Suter was hurt, and and Parise was hurt. You know, and yeah. to me, when it, I mean, Minnesota came in that thing as an underdog, and then they didn't have those two guys, and I think I think Suter came back at the end, but he was no good, and the series was decided off ice, right? The series was already Winnipeg was going to beat Minnesota probably anyway, but every guy on both benches knew without Parise and Suter, let's just get this series over with. Didn't go five games. Let's go. We're out. You know, yeah. No one's Minnesota was a winner. I don't think Boston is that cut and dried, but they need to have their best lineup because the Leafs are a really good hockey team. They're, they're not just kind of good. They're really good. They're really Boston Boston might not beat them with their best lineup, Bobby, but I don't like the yeah. chances well, missing those two guys. I took the Leafs, and you know, I'll stand by that. But uh, And that was, again, I, I when two of your top four offensive players are fighting it a bit, it's, it yeah, makes it hurts. Uh, yeah, it hurts. All right. Uh, what's a what's a bigger surprise, Tampa down three nothing to Columbus, or <laughs> Pittsburgh down three nothing to the Islanders? Well, it has to be it has to be Tampa, and obviously for both sides, one won the Presidents Cup part of that equation. But I would say this: I mean, the Islanders didn't just struggle to get into playoffs; they were, you know, they were up at the top of that division for a good chunk of the year. Um, whereas Columbus, I mean, it's a week out, we weren't even sure they were going to make the playoffs, so. For them to, to do what they're doing, this is a, like the old Oilers Detroit eight against one. It's uh, who would have thought this was happening? I'm quite pleased to see the Islanders doing what they're doing. I think we've had a you know literally 15 years of excellence in Pittsburgh. That franchise is as good as it's been, and the Islanders have been in the fog, stumbling along for a long, long yeah. time. It's, it's nice for the world of hockey to see a little. You know, some turnover. Maybe it's the Islanders' time. How about well, for a little uh, time in the sun? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that series, and we, we hear the comments coming out of New York. You know, Lamarillo is GM, and Trot's going in there, and it's about we, it's not about me, and that team can defend. But the other thing about those two series, to me, Spec, is the more physical team's been the better team. And that's the question I have for you next. Is playoff hockey completely different than regular season hockey? Oh, yeah, for sure it is. Yeah, it is. The ideal team, you know, is built for the playoffs but can still get, you know, get through a regular season and get into the playoffs. <laughs> you know, you, you can build for the playoffs. Are you, talking you about, are you talking about another organization by chance? Well, there you go, you know. <laughs> like, listen, we watched Washington win the Cup last year with a big, strong, tough team that was also highly skilled. But 
size and strength and and you know look at the the, the metaphor is Ovechkin versus Feshnikov. That man's strength came in handy there. Yeah. So anyway, I I do think it's different hockey. I still have a huge respect for the big strong player. And uh in why would we change that? I kinda like the way it is in playoffs, Bob. Mark, what's your dog's name, by the way? The one you're walking right now. Yeah, I got a dog barking next to my house. Sorry. Oh, okay. I thought you were out walking. Uh, all right, so uh, you've been working Winnipeg-St. Louis. That's the series yeah. you've been focused in on. 2-1 right now for St. Louis. It's been a, a road series for the road teams. They've won every game. Um, should it be 2-1 Winnipeg, or or is it deservedly so 2-1 for St. Louis? No, no, it's deservedly so. St. Louis was the better team both games in Winnipeg. Both, I mean, uh, what did Winnipeg had a one nothing lead after two in the first game, lost 2-1. Yeah. And they were tied after two in the game two, and St. Louis pulled away. So, I, you know, I certainly had no problem. St. Louis earned both games fair and square. And it's kind of funny because the – the um, there was you know the series was so tight coming out of Winnipeg two one goal games, then we get into St Louis and that wasn't close at all. Game three was a rout. It was six three. Could have been ten three. Uh, Winnipeg was vastly the better team and and you know well, I thought that was interesting because they only get one win out of it, but they beat the heck out of St Louis and they pump six past that Bennington and that's going to leave a mark heading into Game Four, Bob. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right, Spec. Now we're going to hit on Calgary and Colorado. And I'm going to preface this by saying, and you and me have discussed this privately before, two years ago, Colorado won 22 games. They had one of the worst NHL seasons in the last 20 years, okay? They were old. They were slow. Well, fast forward two years later, uh, they made the playoffs back-to-back years. They gave Nashville all they can handle last year, and they're giving the Flames all they can handle right now. And Nathan McKinnon right now, is he a top five player in the NHL spec? Oh, for sure. You know, I always kind of put it this way. Like, let's say they built an Olympic team right now. You know, where would he be on it? You bet he'd be on it. Would he be the second line center on it? <laughs> I'm not sure, Bob, that he wouldn't at this point, eh? Well, I mean, you can, how would, uh, how would McDavid Crosby and, uh, t- t- and McKinnon look as a top line? You get a Bergeron well, oh center. Like, are three, of, are, are three of the five best players in the world Canadian right now, Spec? Yeah, I think I, I still, you know, I'm always putting Crosby in that mix. Yeah. A. Obviously, McDavid's in that mix. B. And Bergeron's Bergeron. And we and now I'm getting to McKinnon, who's, you know, the best player in the playoffs right now, or one of them. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean... We still make good players here in Canada. Don't let anyone tell you different, Bob. <laughs> oh, no. Like, as far as I'm, I'm... Actually, I had this conversation with a German fellow. We are talking about German soccer and how they, you know, changed their program around uh, a number of years ago, and that's part of the reason why they won in 2014, emphasized skill. And we kind of did the same thing in hockey, and now we have, you know, uh, Crosby, McDavid, and McKinnon. It's pretty exciting moving forward. Uh, Spec, back to the point. They changed their team around. They added speed. They added skill throughout their lineup. Is there less than that for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, hey, for sure there is. So that's pretty clear. I think. I don't think the Oilers need any lessons in the fact that we that club needs to get faster and, and more skilled. Yeah. But when I look at Colorado and I see Tyson Berry and I see Gerard, who I think is a really nice young you know, yep. puck moving, hard, like fast skating defenseman. And now you add Kale McClarion. Yeah. Like three of their six are prototypical. Any three of those guys can run your power play. Like they are rich in the kind of defenseman you need to win hockey games today. That's 
you know, they've got some good forwards, I get it, and they're getting by in goal for sure. But those three defensemen, the Oilers don't have a single guy like that, do they? No. No. Uh, Not a and, single guy. And that's why Edmonton needed to win the lottery so they could get Bo and Byram. And there's Colorado sitting with the fourth overall pick. And my guess is they'll end up taking uh, one of Kirby Dock or uh, Dylan Cousins of Lethbridge because I, I think they'll take the center. I just okay. get the sense that's where they're going to go because they don't. Where do you think Byram goes? If it were me, I'd take him third. So okay. Chicago, if I was Chicago, I'd take him. I mean, I, I know Gustafson, who was an Oilers draft choice, had a, a top. I think he was top ten in defense scoring in the league. He had a real exciting campaign. What do you have, 45 points or something? I think you expect he had more than that. He had like 15 goals. I think Bo and Byram will make the Chicago Blackhawks next year if they take him third. Right. And then obviously I think the Rangers will take Kako and New Jersey will take Hughes. Uh, I, I don't know where the Russian will go. Uh, Podolskin or Podolskin. Or it's, I, it, they're, they're, they're a wild card, right? Apparently this guy's just a great kid. But, uh, you know, if you're Edmonton, does he fall to eight? I don't. I don't think he falls that far. But if I'm the, uh, I, I think the centers are going to go four and five. So I think Cousins and Doc. I, I, my guess is Doc will go higher because Doc had a pretty good playoff against yeah. Prince Albert. So there you go. All right, Spack. Uh, when are you heading back on the road here? A couple of days? Yeah. No, I'm in for. Uh, I'm in here till our show next Tuesday for sure, Paul. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Give uh, right. give Shelka background noise. Yeah, give uh, Shelka a hug and you take care. Okay, man. I will. Thanks, Bobby. You bet. That is uh, Mark Spector uh, in town. Uh, Twelve fifty one. Had to come back for some personal business, uh, but we uh, will take a time out and get to some texts at six thirty six thirty. Bob Stoffer, Dave Campbell, joining you on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on six thirty. Chad. 1255 in Edmonton, Bob Stauffer and Dave Campbell with you on Oilers Now. Where guests of the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village, steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Don and his staff at Japanese Village, they'll take care of you. No question, tell them Oilers Now sent you. All right, let's get to some text. This one out of Slave Lake on our Heartland Ford text line. Um... Bob, uh, who, why do you always put forwards as the top players in the NHL? Bobby Orr was the best player in the NHL at one time and easily top five all time. I would take Brent Burns second overall in an open draft right now. I would not. He's in his 30s. Uh, he makes some mistakes. He's a hell of a player, but he's not a top five uh, uh, top five player. And Racito out of Nelson, B.C. Bobby, no love for the 50-goal scorer, Dr. Dre. Where would he be ranked in the top players? Well, he's got to be ranked top 20 for sure. Got to be ranked top 20 now after scoring 50 goals. Some would say top 10. You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, Bob, Eric Gustafson had 60 points. Unreal. Six in D-man scoring. Yes, unreal. And the Oilers drafted him and elected not to sign him. Didn't have a lot of information on him. Uh, that was during the Craig McTavish uh, era as GM. So th- I'm not sure what happened there. I have a feeling that he was a little light and progressed. And, I mean, he showed up in Chicago a couple of years ago, spent most of the next year in the minors, and then this year blossomed and had a terrific offensive campaign. Obviously, I don't think anybody envisioned that he would do that. I mean, 
Jeff Petrie, Justin Schultz, right shot guys. Oilers need some skill. And, and again, if you're a believer in heavy hockey or you wanted a specific type of player, maybe those players weren't for you. Trucker Dave says, Bob, I think the Oilers are a playoff-built team. Um, unfortunately, you got to be able to score enough in the regular season to get to the playoffs, and that was one of the arguments in Jordan Everly. Uh, the other part of the argument on Jordan Everly is maybe you got to give Ryan Strom some time. Like the, when the trade was made this season, it defied logic. He was. He, I would assert to you that at the time of the Ryan Strom trade, he was no less than the Oilers' fifth most important forward. Third line center, right shot, penalty killer. Didn't make sense. And a couple subsequent moves are part of the reason why Peter Shirelli's uh, fate was sealed here in Edmonton. And no, I don't have any information that I can share at this time on where we were at with the GM hunt. What did uh, John Shannon say in yesterday's show about halfway through it? With, uh, that's where he envisioned the orders being at. We shall see. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, we'll get the story out of Long Island with Arthur Staple from The Athletic in New York City. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.